0: All right. Good evening, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And welcome to our very first episode, uh, not counting episode zero. In this, the first episode, we will, coincidentally enough, be covering the first episode of Beast Wars. Beast Wars Part 1. What an original title. Yeah. It's, It's a step above pilot. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes.
1: In in honor of this, I am currently flirting with gold plastic syndrome destruction by playing with my original air razor toy.
0: Oh. oh, does that one get GPS?
1: I don't know, but she's definitely got gold plastic.
0: I don't see it on the wiki. Good, I think it might be too brown.
1: Good, I Nothing
2: hope so. Yeah, it's at it's at most risk if it has that like metallicy swirly gold. Uh, yes, Definitely
1: yeah. Her elbows are looking a little stressed. Don't touch them. (laughs) Anyway. Why her elbows hurt.
0: So, first off, we this, uh, this episode was, uh, written by, uh, co-showrunner Bob Forward, directed by Ian Pearson. Uh, first released April 22nd, 1996. And we open in space. <laughs> a a transwarp portal opens and two starships come through. One, the Axelon. The other, to be named later. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> first it's by the complicated. fans.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. One of them, the the Predacons ship looks like a batarang, and the other one kind of looks like a, a mechanical monkey head. Yeah, awesome. The Predacon it looks ship like looks an like animal a...
2: animal skull. Now the yeah, Predacon it. ship is the Galaxy Quest ship.
1: I I do look I do like how shippy they looked. Yeah. They, very. They are, it's uh, it's
0: a nice design. Yeah. Very and nice. This, start. this show generally has pretty good design.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I've noticed that throughout the entire thing. The Tech greeblies that show up throughout the episodes are all. Really cool looking, and while those are a bit easier to do in CG because you can just throw random crap together and have it look like it's cool technology mm-hmm. stuff,
1: anything that you can do with polygons will look very nice.
2: Yeah, yeah, the
3: texturing, although apparently they hadn't built that many sets really for the ships in this episode or finished them.
0: Yeah, well, it's like you get the it's exterior also super from... dark on those ships,
3: yeah, yes, well, yeah. to hide what they look like, but.
1: Yes, yep. to hide the fact that they don't have their other forms yet, but they didn't want – well, they probably couldn't afford to make <laughs> yeah. an entirely yeah. new set of models for the first four minutes of... yeah.
2: yeah, they're yeah.
3: never going to use again, so it makes sense. still, they, and
2: just... oh, they is... did do Megatron. They did give Megatron a pre – Yeah, he's mode. kind of got like, – a cool. lot
0: of them, they seem to have just taken off the beast parts, oh, yeah. so they're very basic-looking, but yeah, I appreciate the effort.
1: And, and that was the beginning of a, a very important lesson for for the fandom, actually, in just general, you know, how computer generated shows work. And that's that instead of fussing over frames per second and that sort of thing and how many things you can have, you can have however many things you want moving at a time, but you're limited in the number of characters and the number of environments you can have and that that definitely, the beginning here where everybody's in shadow because they didn't want to make entirely new models for them was definitely one of the fandom's first primers in the limitations of CG. Yep.
2: I gotta give them credit where credit is due. The mirror sphere effect for the transwarp thing, maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for mirror balls reflecting starfields, but that looked pretty even for today. Yes.
1: Yeah, though it it then immediately went uh, went downhill as the the ships start firing at each other in a big dramatic space battle where everything starts exploding into tidy little boxes.
3: Yeah, just yes. flat pants yeah. explode and there's damaged textures underneath.
2: Yes, the the ship to ship battle isn't really that good. It's it's not exciting, but I did appreciate some of the stuff they tried to do that didn't quite pull yeah, off. Like, th-
3: there was a lot of ambition there, it, it just, half of it didn't work.
1: I mean, the ships? Ex- Go ahead. Things exploding into polygons is sort of a uh, a trademark of of Beast Wars, just mm-hmm. because of the animation at the time. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. What I liked was the bits that were flying off the ships started moving significantly faster than the ships were relative to each other to give... Kind of a sensation of, okay, no, these things are just really massive. Yeah. They're not moving slowly. Hmm. So nice, anyway, I didn't uh, notice that.
0: Anyway, these, these darkened ships crash onto this strange, pre- vaguely prehistoric planet. Uh, but not before. The Axelon, the good guy ship, jettisons a whole bunch of stasis pods to be introduced as toys later.
2: Just how many did they jettison
0: anyway? Like a zillion. Yeah.
1: I I will say that it's been a while since I watched this, and but at at the time I watched the first episode so many times that just that beginning sequence I found that I almost like remembered all the dialogue and and it was pretty exciting seeing the opening sequence again with the starship battle and Chedor saying stupid things and that Chedor crashing. Yes, not Cheetor yet, unnamed maximal soldier guy.
0: Yeah, I, think, I guess Optimus Primal is Optimus Primal, and Megatron is Megatron. Everybody else just got new names, which we will come to in a sec. Yes. All so right, they so crash. They crash, and this planet, it has energon. Too, Too much, much
1: energon. Too much energon.
0: So hey, it's time to justify that, uh, that toy premise, and they all need beast modes to shield them from the energon radiation.
1: You know, we I, I mentioned in the last episode that I was a, a huge truck not monkey person. You know, before the show really started, when when the basic premise of Beast Wars was revealed and the first toys came out, and and I have to say that that one little step of having this very sort of science fictiony reason why they needed these this, these organic forms went a lot. That that went a long way towards winning me over to saying, okay, I guess I can deal with this.
2: It's probably the most justification we've seen for alt modes in a Transformers series ever. Yeah. Yeah, pretty
1: much. At least the one that kind of
3: makes the most sense. It's like instead, it, it of, was... nope, Let's transform into a truck, but then turn into a robot at the first opportunity. We, we, we get a very
0: nice. brief bit of, I think the only bit in the whole series of a robot in disguise later in this episode. And I think that's it yeah. for the series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but still, yeah. it was it was a a nod to the idea that they're actually thinking about these things that that was kind of reassuring, you know, to to the old school fans.
0: Yeah. All right. So anyway, they they're scanning the Maximals, scan a bunch of vaguely heroic animals, and the Predacons scan a bunch of dinosaurs and bugs. <laughs> yes.
2: Coincidence. And fossils.
0: And, yeah, not, yes. not living dinosaurs fossils of dinosaurs yes. Yes. yes they didn't have to resort to the savage land we just see a bunch of bones in a mountain which kind of neat yeah yeah
3: and, and the, well when they're crashing down it's earth spoilers <laughs> it's earth
1: yeah and
3: you Hello. can Spoiler and
0: you this world moons? does have two moons
3: yes there are two which, moons but they're crashing towards a continent that looks like africa
1: there are two moons, but there are also dinosaurs and cheetahs and spiders and wasps and yes. rhinos. Wasps
2: same size as Lo- cheetahs. And-
1: Lots of
3: African animals, some dinosaurs that probably aren't African.
1: Well, back. No, I in guess those we days.
0: don't know how far it is. How far the two bases are apart.
1: Distance yeah. is well, something that's going to be fudged almost as much as it was in G1. Yeah, here. it's, it's a big will problem. Distance
3: be
2: fudged almost as much as scale.
3: In this first yes. episode, it seems like they're within a reasonable walking distance in one day of each other.
0: Yeah. yeah. Although the scale is deliberately fudged here. I mean, or yeah. But, yeah. The scale is actually pretty clear here because we see that Cheetor is about the same size as regular Cheetah and i assume primal is about the same size as a real gorilla but obviously rat trap is not the size of rat
3: <laughs> rat trap is a giant bugs, sumatran rat. rat
1: they they rat also rat. are as as we'll find out later they also seem to be within a fairly decent walking distance of the
2: arctic yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. and then rat trap is about a third the size of a rhino uh-huh yeah.
3: but for right now it's like the, the the maximals are at a base with Rocks and bridges near a big mountain, and the Predacons are in a volcano.
0: Because, because they. Bad guys. Yeah. And there's a bunch so, of big spikes sticking out of the ground. <laughs> so yeah. thematically appropriate. Yeah. yeah. They're in a bullseye
2: of lava. They hit exactly the target they were going for.
0: See, I, I assume they hit, and that's like where it sort of messed up the ground.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, I figure that you're sounds more the plausible in universe, but I still like the idea of pterosaur yes. going. Oh, there's a bullseye. Let's <laughs> aim for that.
0: <laughs> it's all <laughs> pad, oh. It's glowing. They probably did let him drive too.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's the flyer. <laughs> I mean, all right. So anyway,
0: everybody's getting their new body. So it's time for an intro dump and for everybody to get their new names in the most cringe-inducing scene in maybe the entire show. Yeah.
1: I have to say I really miss Ian Corlett doing voice acting because once uh dub work became the biggest thing in voice acting, he kinda didn't want to get involved with it so much. But in on top of that though, Cheetor's lines are so bad in this entire
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. They are bad pretty much throughout, although him declaring his name is Cheetor is the only time in the episode he pronounces his own name correctly. Yes, yeah.
1: because then he, continue- he proceeds to be
0: Cheater the rest of the episode. Also, he makes a bunch of animal noises, which I don't remember so much from the rest of the series.
3: Yeah, no, they, he tones it down. De- well, I th- except for Terrasaur, I think everybody tones it de- Well, and Waspinator buzzes a lot.
1: Primal makes monkey sounds. I would like to point out that, as we learned from Gary Chalk at BotCon, they all make their own animal sounds.
0: Yes, you can definitely tell later on in the series. Yes. they Some do it better than others. Some guys maybe needed, like, a stunt Welker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he been
1: great in this series, <laughs> but he wasn't there. No, they couldn't afford him. He's a yeah. of
2: thousands of animals. Although I think that stock lion sound from the uh, intro is actually Welker.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Hey. I assume that most stock animal noises are just... If they're not actual recordings of animals, they're just, what, Frank Welker. Well, up until
3: yeah. years ago, there's now... um Oh, what's the guy on Clone Wars?
1: Uh, uh Steve Bloom.
3: No, no, no. Oh,
1: not Steve Bloom. Because yeah, Steve Blum is everyone on... He does a lot of <laughs> guys,
3: but the guy that did all the clone voices. He oh. Does, he does a lot of animal noises now. Oh, I was unaware of that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean... I hate to say it, but Frank Walker is getting pretty old.
3: Yes, he's is true. A replacement Frank Walker, or will
2: be
1: the next generation's Frank Walker.
2: He's a national no. treasure. We need to just get him to record as many variants on as many things as he can do.
1: And just archive them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like we should have done with Miguel Barry Roddenberry.
1: <sighs> so we, anyway, we speaking of things
0: that we should uh, that we should do, uh, this scene ends. We get a little conflict, and we sort of get people's personalities cheetor is the dumb kid rattrap is dick and rhinox is the big guy
1: you know the big guy and he becomes you you really don't see it in this episode but he does become much more of the the techie the the guy who fixes things back at the base
0: yeah he's the big guy and also the smart guy
1: Yes, which they
2: and kind also of Also, the Zen guy and shows up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, whereas Rat Trap, Trap's just,
3: Trap's Rat Trap is just Rat Trap. Trap is just the smart alec Jersey guy or Brooklyn guy. I guess his accent
2: is Yeah, yeah to- he's Bugs Bunny in Brooklyn.
1: And I I noticed and it it really struck me in this episode uh, in the recent IDW comics, Rat Trap has been around as a character, and he's shown up and he's actually been just like a total bad guy. He's been Starscream sidekick who is also scheming in the background and in this episode you can really sort of see where that comes from and it's just he's he's a weasel and the thing is it's through the show he grows as a character yep to yeah. become more of the lovable weasel than just the jerk. So it's it was very interesting to see him in the first episode before he had had any of that character growth, when you can really see where John Barber got the idea of him just being this straight-up weaselly villain character.
0: Yeah, I mean, here, you know, he's, he's unpleasant, he is cowardly, he's kind of a racist.
1: Yeah. He's there a was... jerk, he has no interest in leadership, like following leadership.
0: Or having leader. I mean, he doesn't necessarily want to take over from you know yeah. he's not star screaming Optimus Primal here. He just likes being mean to him all the time.
2: Yeah. He's It a jerk. seems like he and Optimus used to be equals and then Optimus got a promotion and he didn't. Yeah, I something.
1: can see that. I I will say it was nice to they they fit in a lot of of what would become catchphrases in this episode. And it really felt like they they were, you know, setting them up to be catchphrases, and one of them, of course, being "Shut up, Rat Trap." <laughs> yep.
0: I I can't remember if we got a, a that's just prime in this one. We definitely got a couple in the second episode.
1: We did get a yeah. that's just prime in this one. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: We also got a second shut. No, we got a second. We're all gonna die in in the mm. second episode. But we got our first. We're all gonna die here. Yeah. To yeah, which so I... he responds, "Shut up, Rat Trap."
0: So, anyway, that's that's the Maximals. Off to the Predacons, where we we don't get the intro dumped to them. I guess they just... They're not as social. They're just no. putting their new names up on the bulletin board or something.
1: They're the bad guys. Well,
3: yeah, because yeah, so, they know, were just focusing on two of them, really.
0: Yeah. Yes. So Donobot challenges Megatron's leadership. Uh, he's... Megatron isn't quite as uh, sanguine about it as as Prima was, and he, he has Scorponok, uh, Team Rocket... Dinobot off into the distance.
1: Yes, the the mainframe animation people really like doing slapstick stuff, and they really didn't get to do it enough. Yeah. But it it definitely shows up just in all across just scattered across Beast Wars.
2: It works too. Yeah, yeah.
1: and that's definitely them their their slapstick influence. Yep,
0: and already I think. Well, we don't get a ton of the development that Beast Wars Megatron would later get. This already proves that he's smarter than uh, the original Megatron, because once his, uh, you know, once his second in command starts giving him sass, he's just gone. Sure. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't even shoot it himself.
0: He has a lackey shooter. That's right.
1: Yeah. So Though Not it getting was... his
0: hilarious tiny dino arms dirty. No.
1: Some of this was spoiled a little bit by the toy line, because at that point, the toys, Dinobot was in the first wave of Deluxes as a Maximal. So, unlike Primal and Megatron showing up in forms that were totally not a bat and an alligator, <laughs> we we did have little information confusing. on Dinobot. Yes. You know, in, mm. in April of 1997. You people in your or toy six. first characters.
2: It is nice uh, that they decided to do the, he started out as a Predacon and became a Maximal thing, as opposed to just, oh, he was always a Maximal, which Yeah, it, they totally could have done.
3: It, it, it makes more it, sense that the, the dinosaurs and the pterosaur came from the same source of the bones. Yes.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, they never really drew attention to that sort of beast mode segregation there, mm. but it, it definitely... I mean, it, it absolutely added a lot of depth to the character.
0: Yeah. All right, so cut back to the Maximals. They're just sort of hanging out. Uh, Cheeto decides that he's going to show off his beast mode by running around with some cheetahs who it's are terrified robotics. when he tries talking oh,
2: to them. <laughs> Before that happens, Rat Trap leans against a statically rendered thing coming out of the ship to save animation budget. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yes. They just rendered one frame of that, and Rattrap is leaning against it while he talks, so they're only animating Rattrap
0: and none of the rest of the scene. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And here we also get a reference to the Great War, which uh, dumb. we don't get tremendously expanded on, but we're led to believe later on that that was the war between the Decepticons and the Autobots.
2: The war where Autobots waged their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons? And apparently won.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. In this episode, they're kind of they're they're dancing around it, but alluding to it by not
1: calling it out. Yeah, this was something that they they talked. The writers, you know, Larry DiTilio and Bob Ford talked a bit about was that when they started the show, and really through a lot, the the beginning of the first season, they didn't really know that much about Transformers. You know, they knew the basic stuff, and it wasn't until later you know, once they had a few scripts in that they really knew what they were dealing with and that's when we started to get things like Starscream's ghosts showing up and, you know, that's when Ben yi became a, a fan consultant on the show because they they started realizing that there there was all this other stuff. So so they hint at the Great War there. But even at that point, the writers only really kind of knew where they were going with any of that. And it wasn't until later that they really figured out what they, how they wanted to work all that in, how, you know, how all that went down. And it, it was pretty awesome because what with it taking place in the past of the far future. They they managed to make it so that it could be either the future of the cartoon continuity or the comic continuity, which at that point were the only real continuities anyone cared about, were the, the, yeah. the G1 cartoon and the G1 comic. Yeah. So they made it so that it could really have been in the future of either of those. It didn't contradict either of those. So that was something that really won them a lot of fandom points with the way that they handled it once they really figured out that you know, that there were all these really great, there was all this really great backstory that they should be drawing from.
2: From a storytelling standpoint, I feel like that benefited it even without the fandom continuity argument angle. Just Mm -hmm. treating this huge library of past stuff as kind of the stuff of myth and legend that you talk about happening, but don't need to know exactly what happened to understand the significance of it. It yeah. just gives this feeling of something bigger without having it become the focus of everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. But at this point, all they really, I guess, had decided on was that there was a great war that was the, that was G1. Yes. So yeah, they just kind of name dropped that here.
0: And they don't specifically mention that they were looking for Earth, I don't believe.
1: No,
3: or, well, they no, got no, it. No, they, that, right, right,
0: Donabot does say that it, it should be Earth, but it's not because it has two moons. Yeah. And they were directed to do so by the Golden Disk. And is then he the,
1: throws uh, the Golden Disk at Megatron.
0: Yeah. And that is, of course, the, the Sounds of Earth uh, Disk from, from Voyager.
1: Which, Had last established... I checked, yeah. is there's a copy of in the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. I think it's yeah, still in yeah. the DC one. I don't think they moved it to Dulles, but they might have. Hmm. Says the person who used to live outside Washington D.C. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right, so Cheetor freaks out these two cheetahs because he could talk, and but they're even more freaked out by the gigantic wasp, which Cheetor clearly <laughs> figures out is not natural, but is in fact a robot in disguise. Yeah, which
1: analysis?
3: There's so us. many things weird about. It's like how, he doesn't even know what planet this is. How does he know he's a cheetah to call himself Cheetor if they don't know they're on Earth? And then how does he realize, the the two cheetahs are just running away from him because they're freaked out, and they just keep running past the giant wasp, and then Cheetor infers from that vague idea, oh, this must be a Predacon. What if he was just killing a giant alien wasp?
1: To be fair, there are certain environmental conditions that are necessary to support insect life of that size. Now, that assumes a lot about Cheetor's intelligence. Cheetor's not bright enough to do that, no.
0: (laughs) And yet, I'm pretty sure they say that he's a scientist.
3: But he's firing without probable cause. He's not a very good scientist.
1: It it, it could, (sighs) I mean, you can have goofball scientists. He could be very smart and just not show it. He could be both smart and not wise whatsoever. Exactly. Okay, maybe. I don't he's think we ever biolo- seen him
0: being good at science, though. Yeah, that's
3: <laughs> the thing. It's like if he was he was a good biologist, late we'll get to that. But right, Cheetor is dumb and he just lucks out and hey, the giant wasp is Waspinator.
1: Yes. Ah. Dun dun.
2: <laughs> and Waspinator immediately gives that up. Yes. yes. I love Cheetor shooting at Waspinator and Waspinator just dodging along a two-dimensional plane like it's a SNES light gun game.
1: (laughs) Maybe Cheetor is just such a bad shot. Basically, what it comes down to is Cheetor is the worst at everything. Cheetor is such a bad shot that Waspinator knows he doesn't have to work any harder than that.
0: Hmm. Uh, Luckily, he's also fighting Waspinator, who is also terrible at everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) True. We don't quite get that in this episode. We kind of just get that he has Hmm. a funny voice.
2: Yeah. Yes. Which is pretty he's creepy pretty... in this episode, even with the video gamey animations. Yeah. It's, like, it's a pretty great Scott McNeil voice, though. You know, it's like a great Scott cool. McNeil voice, and he's got this just gaping maw full of spikes before he transforms. Yeah. <laughs> Bugs are like... creepy, and he's creepier than a bug, somehow.
0: <laughs> he's a bug. He's a cute bug. Right, so everybody, both teams show up, and it's time for some transformation sequences, like ten of them.
1: Which is yep. pretty much another roll call sequence.
2: Let's eat yep. up 30 seconds of footage.
0: Well, this so is the first time mean... we get names for uh, Pterosaur and yeah. Tarantulus.
1: Yeah, they didn't need to do it before, so now they're doing it. I would I would like to note that I always love when there's a roll call sequence with the protocons because after Pterosaur does his, he goes, Pterosaur, terrorize! I always feel like the next person needs to scorpionize. Scorponize! <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> his name leads into his transformation phrase so well. Just... Uh, I am and easy to use.
0: And we don't get much out of the main, out of the Predacons here apart from, you know, Tarantulus, Scorpionock, and Pterosaur. And Wassman, you pretty much just get funny voices in this.
3: Yeah. Everything yeah, is I mean, focused on Megatron being Megatron.
1: Basically, yeah. all the Predacons are creepy.
0: That's, yeah. yes. that's all
1: they are need to establish.
0: I would say Tarantulas so, wins the creepiness stakes.
3: Yeah, cuz all the legs.
0: Also his gross animal noises are the are the grossest. And his laugh.
1: Also because shortly after this point he expresses an interest in eating the dead.
0: Yes. <laughs>
3: well, that doesn't happen yet.
0: That doesn't happen. Would you prefer eating the, the living?
1: Well, well
0: the I mean, man's got to eat. He would.
1: <laughs> yeah, he would be like perfectly this. happy with that too.
0: We will get to that. <sighs> right, so we get a fight, and there are some good fights in this series. This isn't one of them, because they're just standing on opposite sides of a cliff and shooting at each other. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: It's not great. Although they still have a... They still manage to have stuff happen through the course of the fight. Yes. Like, Cheetor having a rock fall on his leg. uh
1: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the uh-huh. greatest threat in on Beast Wars Earth, falling rocks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheetor has the f- rock fall on his leg looks back at the rock having fallen on his leg, and, and continues trying to scramble away from it without doing anything he about the rock.
3: Doesn't. He's a pitiful damsel in distress in this this episode.
2: He's not yeah. great. Maybe. He also, after Megatron is monologuing about how the Predacons were just biding their time and weren't really peaceful, Cheetor sneak attacks Megatron in the face, and it does nothing.
0: <laughs> Although Megatron is impressed.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Right, so... Optimus wants, uh, Rattrap to go and help Cheetor. Cheetor, Rattrap does not want to, because again, coward. So Primal has to do it himself, uh, with his, because he can fly unlike every other Maximal, which I assume is a leftover from when he was gonna maybe have the bat mode.
1: Maybe. Uh, I mean, doesn't his toy kind of have rockets?
0: Well, it has those missile launchers on the shoulder, but he can use those yeah. while he's flying, so they're not the same thing.
1: I guess that's true.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, judging by his animation, he's really scorching the back of his calves here. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Monkeys are not meant to fly.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Rat Trap and Rhinox. Rhinox, bizarrely enough, with Cheetor's gun, uh, end up giving cover fire.
3: Yeah, they hadn't rendered him his own gun yet. Apparently.
1: Yeah.
2: That'll be a major landmark for the show. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> like learning how to animate water.
0: Yep. <laughs> Don't hold your breath for that one. <laughs> but um
2: i love when rhinox is forcing rat trap to help he just picks, picks him it. up by the scruff of his neck and yes. lifts him
0: outside of cover so he has to shoot
3: <laughs> yeah he's like yes. wielding rat trap
0: and those two are clearly like friends at this point so, oh yeah
3: more than anyone
1: else
2: i guess probably- i'd say optimus and rat trap are because otherwise optimus would have gone off on him way sooner than he does.
1: I don't know. I think I know. the thing with Optimus is he's just such... You really get the impression in this episode. And I have to say, these two episodes are really bad with plot, but really good with characterization. Yeah, Optimus so Primal characterization is clearly this very good guy. And he's... I I feel like he's... Like, he, he feels that the situation is so big that he can't waste time chewing out Rat Trap.
0: Yeah. And yeah, Primal is super likable in this. Yeah. Yes. And, and he's he not really... an optimist Prime where he's, you know, a sort of stoic leader type. He, he wants to sort of be a stoic leader type, but he's just kind of new at this.
2: Yeah. You know, there's that whole conversation with him and Rattrap earlier where they're talking about how Rattrap had wanted an exploration mission.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's probably the biggest character moment in the episode just kind of establishing they have more of a relationship than just them hating each other.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then Rat Trap is like, we're all gonna die, and then Primal is like, shut up, Rat Trap.
0: Yeah. So despite getting one of his jets shot up, uh Primal manages to blow up the rock over Cheetor's leg and they get out of there just in time for everybody to start getting all energy. Johnny.
2: Yep. I love when Waspinator gets all Energy he falls straight down like he's Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> and died.
0: I mean, falling it's, straight it's, down it's... is par for the course for it's, Yeah,
2: It's not just falling straight down. He freezes in place and just <laughs> translates <laughs> downward. Not animated. <laughs> just Yeah. Same pose, just drops straight down. They didn't actually render him falling. They just took the one frame and scrolled it down.
1: Well, again, that gives it a very slapstick feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, anyway. it, it's perfect. It's great. So Maximals And I don't think they the do base. the same thing
2: for Terrorsaur, So. Hmm.
0: No, I don't think so. No, Terrorosaur. Anyway, so the Ma- Maximals go back to the base, and we get. A, a, I really like it. It's, it's a nice, quiet scene where they just, you know, uh, Primal and uh, Rat Trap are kind of riding on Rhinox. <laughs> yep. Primal is is uh, you know. Chewing out Rat Trap for being a cowardly jerk. Yeah, well. And it it's, and it's a it's a sort of nice quiet scene that we don't get a lot of. Yeah. He's reading
2: Rat Trap the Riot Act, and he's totally justified in the point he's making.
0: Oh yeah. Yes. It it's not uh you know, it's not like uh Rat Trap is the cool kid and he's and his uh you know superiors tell him to stop being so radical, Rat Trap. <laughs> yeah, it's like I could have given you
2: better cover fire than you gave me.
1: Yeah, he's basically explaining why he gave the orders that he did,
0: which is not. But nice. anyway, at this point, the uh, Rhinox indicates that he's the one who can count, and uh, they're <laughs> short of Predacon. Dun dun. And yep. uh, where is he? Oh, he's waiting for them when they get home. He's he's sure. left. It's Dinobot. He's left the Predacons, and he's joined the Maximals, but only if he gets to be in charge.
2: It's kind of so big. Is that the bridge right next to see. the maximal base, or is that just some other random super thin stretch? Yeah, it's super a thin stretch
3: right in front of the base.
2: Yeah. Is it supposed to be, though? Or are they just I... reusing that?
3: The ship is in the background.
2: Is it? Uh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. seeing it in the background.
3: Well, it's in the background at least in one of the shots.
0: I'm pretty sure it's there, yeah. There are a lot of stone bridges in the show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to have them to explode into pixels.
0: It's definitely one of the entries on my Beast Wars drinking game. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you prefer, the the Beast Wars mutating drinking game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The reason I didn't think it was that is because it's got spires taller than the bridge around it, and the one near the maximal base is about as tall as anything except the (laughs) ship.
3: Okay, maybe yep. the ship isn't actually in the background. It's the same exact bridge texture and, and
0: I'm pretty no. sure that's it, there's there's not a lot of geographical consistency on this show.
2: No, no, there's yeah, not. not. So I was completely confused about where they were supposed to be for this. because yeah. yeah. The sun is going down, or maybe it's not, and they're just getting closer to the Predacon base, or maybe <laughs> it's later in the day. I don't know.
3: Oh yeah the the, the, the scene happens at Magic hour. It's yeah. like yes. Bay.
1: Yeah, because there are uh, there, so. A- <laughs> so
0: yes. All right. So anyway, to determine the uh, who's going to lead, obviously, Battle of the Death. Yeah, of
2: course. Oh yeah. I love that we the continued. episode on Dinobot and ego-montoying Optimus. Yes. Yeah. Minus the revenge angle.
3: Well, I, I was thinking of mm. it more like it's a King Kong reference. Well, it's not a T Rex. It's it's a big monkey and a dinosaur.
2: Yeah, we don't get the King Kong reference till the next episode.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Let's the explicit
0: one ah oh, great and that brings us to the end of the episode it's you know it's a good introduction to most of the cast it's yeah. uh, the animation is dated but yeah and it's, it's okay. very it gets from point a to point b it, yeah, well, it, pretty smoothly
1: Like i said it it really feels like the focus is more on setting up the basic storyline and the characters rather than having a good plot here.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I'll
1: give it a credit. Really
2: the rendering seems more dated than the animation. They do a decent enough job of actually animating everyone's face. and.
1: Yeah,
3: the, the animation is good. The The models are pretty good. The textures...
2: Sometimes weird. This predates bump mapping, I think. Yeah. <laughs> at least good cheap bump mapping.
3: Yeah, it's probably not as many layers of texturing as they do now. Well, definitely not as many. They do like oh, yeah. dozens in some cases. There's maybe two, mm-hmm. if that. But it does manage to look good. It's it's some the interactions with backgrounds really bug me in a lot of the scenes because like most of the ground is just this flat expanse with a texture on it. Occasionally with big rocks, they never have like different scaled rocks. If, Everything seems to have a limit to how small they make objects. I mean,
1: mean, through the entire first series, I am bothered by the way Optimus Primal's joints work.
3: Yeah, he's and there's one shot where after Dinobot gets hit by Scorponok's missile, there's a shot of Megatron talking to his troops, and he's wagging his tail, and parts of the flaps of his thighs are wiggling out of sync with his butt. So he has like this weird butt flap in
0: in the few shots. Well obviously they're expending all their the animators, all their attention on his tiny little dino arms, which yes. they're clearly having some fun with.
3: Yeah that yes. oh, yeah. but all of his facial expressions as a talking dinosaur are fantastic.
0: The facial expressions on this are great, whether animal or robot. Yeah. I mean we're yeah. getting to some care we will eventually get to some characters who barely have faces. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But they're still all very expressive.
1: I mean, that's that's the thing with the computer animation is that it, you know, it certain aspects of it do look really dated. They were limited in the characters and the environments and all that they could bring in. But on the other hand, obviously, a lot of care was put into the actual animation, which is something that, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, especially compared to something like, generation one cartoon where you have like all these horrible animation errors all the time. And there's just, it, it, you know, obviously was animated by people. I, I would say people just doing it for a paycheck, but, but let's be honest, they probably weren't getting that much of a paycheck. Yeah. So it's, it's that sort of very budget animation that, that Beast Wars is almost like the polar opposite of. Oh yeah. It's very, very lovingly animated. You get because of the computer animation, unlike cell animation, where it's based on how many moving parts there are. It's very fluid and very dynamic in, in a way that cheapo cell animation was just never gonna be. So well, so while it does have elements that make it very dated, there's some elements that are just absolutely beautiful still.
0: Yeah. yeah and so, I think you uh, might in nineteen ninety six this was amazing.
2: Yes. Well in nineteen ninety six there were only two companies that were really doing fully computer animated work. That was intended to be viewed as just fully computer animated work and not composited into some other thing. That was Mm -hmm. Pixar and mainframe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this was, I believe this was their second show that
0: they did. Yeah, after a reboot. Yes.
1: Yes. So they had only done one other show before this. So it was, I mean, honestly, as being part of the fandom at the time, it was kind of, it, it did kind of make us feel like this was something that they were really taking seriously. That they were going with this at the time very sort of experimental, flashy animation style and you know giving it to a studio that was considered so innovative at the time. so oh, that yeah. you know that that definitely made an imp- made an impression, and I, I think it made an impression that that really you know they they delivered on that promise.
2: Yep. For more context, two years before this came out. Coloring stuff digitally was considered revolutionary.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was... When, when did Toy Story even come out?
0: 95.
1: Yeah, so this was at a point where even just the idea of doing something entirely with computer animation was very, very cutting edge. So it was, it was very exciting. And I know I had friends at the time who weren't coming into it from Transformers fandom so much as they were coming in from, from the animation and the art side of things, who got really into the show because it was really well written, but they they gave it a chance. They, they It caught their interest because it was this very innovative kind of animation.
2: Honestly, if Pixar had been working on a 22-minute TV budget episode type thing, it would probably look a lot like this, too. Yeah. In 1996.
0: All right. So uh, that I does anybody else have anything more to say on the episode? Oh, we get, gotta
3: set up a thing. It's like when we we have a Twitter and a, a Tumblr and and a thingy and a website that people will find this on, presumably. So you know where that is.
2: Yes. We're Stasis Pod on various forms of social media. Yeah. Yes. That's us. And then also, hey, let's give Richard Newman's Indiegogo a plug.
0: Yes. Yes, the voice of uh, Mm -hmm. Rhinox, great Mm -hmm. voice actor. He's having a little trouble right now, so you know, if everybody who's enjoyed his work can uh, chip in a buck or two, that'd be a big help. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So if you'd enjoyed M. Bison going yes, yes, Mm -hmm. or Rhinox firing the chain gun so doom at people, (laughs) throw him a few bucks. If you throw him Mm -hmm. enough bucks, he'll give you a personalized voicemail or something. Ooh.
1: Ooh, and we will go ahead and link to his Indiegogo along with the podcast.
2: Yes.
0: Alright, so then Join us next time, Beast fans For Beast Wars Part 2 On the Stasis Pod
1: Power Hooray. up the power block
0: We are definitely going to be talking about the power block At some point here oh, yeah.
1: Are we going to be powering it up though?
0: Powering it up. Okay. Uh, does anybody, anybody know anything about Vortech?
1: Oh, not really. I didn't watch much. That the doesn't
0: even ring a bell. Block. It was it, it was a mask, basically. Oh. Ah, oh. I know.
1: I remember it being another thing in the power block.
0: Yeah, there I was didn't even the get
2: reboot, the power block.
0: Beast Wars, uh, Vortech, and GI Joe Extreme. <laughs>
2: yes. In my area, it aired on UHF. Beast Wars aired on UHF, just on oh, its wow. own, not part of a syndication block.
0: Oh. Huh. Yeah, we, we got Detroit syndication, so it was on the, the power block.
1: I was in D.C. I believe it was on. I think it was on Channel 50. It might have been Channel 20. We had two independent syndicated channels, which I'm sure have – I one of them became like Paramount and then the CW or whatever. And I think – wasn't there like some WB network at some point?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. WB I wanna... yeah. and UPN, which was Paramount. That's and then they merged it. to form the CW.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 20, 20 was UPN and 50 was WB. And I don't even know what the situation is now because my parents don't even live where we lived at that time.
0: And uh, they both had uh, their own weekend blocks of cartoons. Uh UPNs were on Sunday because they weren't good enough to compete with the Saturday ones.
1: Yes, and they had ExoSquad. UPN did? Um, I think, you know, think
0: ExoSquad was syndicated. UPN had um the Hulk cartoon. Uh, B A D Bureau of Alien Detectors.
1: That's right. I'm thinking about I'm thinking of what Channel 20 had immediately before they became ah. UPN.
0: Um, and uh, oh, that Jumanji cartoon.
2: <laughs> I got yeah. this on Star 64, which would like five years later. Eh, not five years later. But it would eventually become a WB affiliate, but wasn't yet. Mm-hmm. So it was Deke Sailor Moon dub followed by Beast Wars.
1: Oh that was That is awesome. pretty great. That is pretty great.
0: I mean the important thing is to remember their shows were open.
1: Yes. <laughs> wow, I I don't even remember that but it sounds totally believable.
0: Yeah, that that was that was their uh their the thing in their ads and uh, we find it's got to be on uh, YouTube. Uh,
2: There's only two things that I ever knew were even on UPN and that's the Dilbert cartoon and wwf
0: smackdown man Uh, that's why they had the rock on uh that's why they had the rock on voyager
1: Man, i bet the upn transition was why they stopped showing they okay Exosquad squad ended on a five episode multi-parter in the second the first or the second part a major character is killed they only showed on my station the first two parts of that episode.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh, you never got the <laughs> aliens showing up?
1: I never got the rest of the episodes. I oh, never...
3: Did. Does it end where the aliens show up or is that... Yeah,
1: uh, it ends with the aliens showing up. Okie
3: dokie, so I had...
1: Because I've read that, I've heard about it, and they've never released season two on DVD or anything.
3: Wait, there's... Wait, how many there...
1: seasons were there? There were two.
3: Two. Is the, it...
1: the first one was a short season. It was like a 13 okay. episode season and the second episode was a, or the second season was a full syndication season, which is why a lot of the plotting really went off the rails. And yeah, it, it was very much not as tightly scripted and not as tightly plotted as no, the there, first season was. There
3: were a lot of great ideas in there. It just meandered.